Well, this weekend's message goes well with, with this theme of celebrating uh, uh, leadership and influence, particularly at a young age. And um, we're looking at a, a story about a young leader who finds himself in a position of leadership and influence in some pretty difficult circumstances. And uh, he has the opportunity to step into this and has an opportunity to impact the kingdom of God uh, in the way that he's going to do that. But like most leadership opportunities, uh, this one comes looking for him. And we can all identify with that, that if you think back for a moment, when was the first time that you found yourself in a position of leadership or in an opportunity to influence someone or something? We may first think of something in, in high school or college or even into, into adulthood, but I, I think that opportunities for leadership and influence happen at every age, and they come and find us in the least, in, in the least likely places. The first time I can remember being put in a position of leadership was, was at a, a weekend Boy Scout leadership camp. And we were standing in the middle of a field, and we were supposed to be on an orienteering challenge, and we were completely lost. Somewhere along the way, I mean, like utterly, legitimately lost. I mean, we had, we had directions and distances and compasses and all this stuff, and somehow, Somewhere along the way, we made a minor miscalculation that turned into a major problem. And we were nowhere where we were, we were supposed to be. And uh, the purpose of this Boy Scout leadership camp was to, you know, we were, there was all these different scouts from different troops. And we all descended upon this camp for a weekend of, of learning some different leadership skills that we, we would then take back to our local troops uh, to use in, our, in, in various leadership roles uh, in our local troops. And, and so there was all these different challenges throughout the weekend that we would do sometimes together as a group. Uh, oftentimes we were on our own. And, and the whole purpose was developing leadership skill around some of the other scouting skills and, and things that we had learned in scouting. And, and so this was one of those. And it was a, an orienteering challenge where we were sent out uh, in the evening to, to go and find wherever our directions led us. And we were to make a meal there and to spend the night there and then to return in the morning. And so as we were looking around in this wide open field, nowhere close to where we had started, it was really obvious that we, we were not where we were supposed to be. And for some reason, everybody turned to me. I don't know if I happened to be holding a compass at the time or what, but somehow I became the leader who was supposed to figure this out. And I was one of the youngest in our group. And, and so I, you know, I was kind of like, I, this is not right. A couple of the scouts were like, no, nah, this is fine. We can sleep anywhere. I'm like, no, I don't, I don't think this is right. Like, this is like, we're not anywhere where we're supposed to be. And so we did the only thing that we could do. We just sat down and just started screaming. You know, no, not really. <laughs> not really. But we, but we did take some pretty... Um, we made a hard decision, and, and I, I helped us to just to make the decision to say, there's only one thing that we can do. we got to start over, like all the way over. And so after an hour of walking in revert, well, not backwards, but, you know, follow, retracing our steps, making all the mistakes that we had already made, but in reverse this time, we found our way back at the base camp where we had started, and we started by recalibrating our steps, and we determined that, that each pace that we were counting was actually three feet not two feet. It was a minor miscalculation that led to this major issue that we had. We just, we weren't anywhere where we were supposed to be. And so 
once we recalibrated and, and followed the instructions again and had our steps measured properly, uh, about an hour later, we, we walked into an actual campsite with raised platforms that we could put our sleeping bags on and a place where we could make our meal. And, uh, and so, and everything went on, went on the way it was supposed to, it was supposed to go on. Well, we're looking at, at, at this story this morning that is about leadership and influence, and it's about recalibration. And, uh, and, and it's, it's the two letters that Paul writes to Timothy. And uh, these are the letters that we find. They, they make up the books of First and Second Timothy in the New Testament. And uh, as we turn to First and Second Timothy uh, and look at these letters together, I want to give you a little bit of a backstory. As you do that, we're going to be on page 1,194 in the Bibles that are in the seat in front of you. And if you have your own Bible, we're using the NIV translation. And, um, and here's a little bit of the backstory of what's going on in Timothy. I'll give you a backstory while you're, while you're turning to the pages there. So we know that, that Timothy and Paul have known each other for quite some time. Paul met Timothy's family early in his life, and, and, and Paul has been a mentor to Timothy for quite some time. And uh, Timothy is actually a part of a team that Paul traveled around with. Uh, encouraging and teaching the churches and, and developing the church. And so Timothy was a part of this team. And so when, when Paul gets ready to send Timothy to the church in Ephesus, that's, that's where he's headed and that's where he, these letters are going in First and Second Timothy. Uh, Timothy, it wouldn't have just, it wasn't like a draft. It wasn't something that he got in the mail. It would have been something that he was pretty well ready for. He had seen Paul carry out his ministry. He'd been mentored by Paul. He'd been trained by Paul. He'd been a part of this team. And so Timothy heads off to the church in Ephesus. And, and there's some stuff going on there that, that's pretty difficult. And and so Timothy knows what he's getting himself into, and Paul's letters here are, are a follow-up to his initial instructions. So Timothy goes, and then Paul sends these letters that are a list of encouragements and, and, just, and challenges and, and helping to remind Timothy of why he's there, what he's supposed to do about the things that are going on, and, uh, and how to stay on mission with God and with the church. And so what we have here is this, this whole mentorship and mission playing out. That we have Timothy, who's a, who's a young, young leader. He's probably a teenager. And, and he's been mentored by Paul to the point that he's ready to, to be commissioned and sent out on his own to, to lead the church in Ephesus and to help them get back, get, to get back on track. And this is where we get this whole expanded view this morning and this weekend of, of this ex, the leadership and influences, looking at Paul's mentorship of Timothy and how Timothy takes that and applies it to the mission that God has sent him on. And so uh, for you Bible trivia people out there, here's a little bit about how this book is structured. So the, the opening and closing chapters of the book uh, are kind of a commission. Uh, they're Paul encouraging Timothy. And then in the middle part, there's some, some really specific practical instruction that is specifically speaking to the things that are happening in the church in Ephesus. And then there's also placed in there the, these interesting, almost kind of poems that Paul writes in there. And all of those are about Jesus. And it's a calling back and a reminding of what this is all about. That, that the instructions aren't just for the sake of following instructions, that this all has to do with who Jesus is. 
This isn't Paul's idea. This isn't Timothy's idea. This is who Jesus is, and this is how the church is to be lived out and, and practiced because of who Jesus is. And so it's, a, it's great the way the, the book is put together that, that we get some instruction and we get a reminder of why these types of instructions would be, would be important. And that's where we get some of the context, even though we're not the original audience, that's where we get some of the context for our own lives here today. And this is all based on the premise that good teaching is faithful and consistent with the way of Jesus. Good teaching is faithful and consistent with the way of Jesus, and this results in genuine love and faith. So Timothy's stepping into some circumstances here where there's been some false teaching happening. People are being led astray. Being, there's, there's some people in their midst that are practicing things that are not the, the, of, of what is suggested in the life of Jesus or it, it or found anywhere. And it's really, it's fracturing the church and it's also setting the church up to, to, to not look to the public the way the church ought to look. And at times it's okay that the public eye, uh, that the church, you know, we're not trying to impress the culture around us, but in this sense, it was actually giving the culture around them a, a bad taste of what the church is really supposed to be. And so Timothy is going to speak, uh, going to speak to some of that because what the church believes is how it will live and how a church is perceived in the public eye in this way is very important that the church ought to be known as a group of, of, of people with integrity who serve the, the poor and the vulnerable and who are, are generally, genuinely good people who love well and are faithful and make things better just on the, on the basis of, of the good things that come out of them because of who it is that they follow. So Timothy's going into this situation to, uh, to try to, to, get this, to get this whole thing figured out. And from this, we'll get some of our application uh, for today. So we are in 1 Timothy chapter 4, and we're going to start in verse 11. It says, command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and to teaching, do not neglect your gift, which was given you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters and give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So Paul starts you know, here and just reminding Timothy of what he's going to go do. And from this, that we see five practices that grow our influence. And from these five, these five practices show us that every Christian can lead in the place where God has called them to lead by following these instructions. And there's five of them that, that Paul highlights in here that we're going to take a closer look at here uh, this morning. And the first is to set the example Paul starts by telling Timothy to set an example with how he talks, how he lives, how he loves. And so much of this has to do with obedience to, 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 to what is supposed to be lived out as a follower of Christ. There's a call to an integrity with an identity in Christ. And not integrity meaning just make good decisions, but integrity meaning that, that be one person. 
Don't be many different people throughout the different areas of your life. We're going to get to that later in the message, but this is where, where Paul is, is starting with Timothy. And we have to recognize that we, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to live this way. That this, this list of instructions is not for us to go home and beat ourselves up about and try to will ourselves to live this way. Part of the obedience and integrity of following Christ is letting the good things that come from that naturally flow out into our lives. But that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. And last weekend when we celebrated Easter, that's what we celebrate. We celebrate that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power that lives inside of us, that allows us and empowers us to live in the way that God calls us to live. And so at its very nature, at its very core, this is about a relationship with God. Our identity comes from Christ, and that is what empowers us to live in the way that Paul is reminding Timothy to live here. So today, what does this look like? Well, it might look like using a little more restraint on social media. It might look like, you know, deleting that angry post that you're about to post about that thing that's upsetting. All of social media is angry. I've unfollowed like 90% of it because it's just, it's just extreme hyperbole about, about stuff that no one's really talking about the heart of the matter. And I already have too much stress in my life to be more stressed out about something stupid that somebody posted online. And so just, so part of the, what this looks like is to, is to just get rid of the stuff that causes us to, to swing into places that lead us to speak without compassion and grace. Timothy is being called here to speak and to live with compassion and grace, to be wise in how he lives and to how he goes about his life, about his love, faithfulness, and purity. Those three things are to mark his life, Paul is saying. Pay close attention to those. The second one is to communicate the scripture. It says that they are to read the scriptures publicly. Now, what, I don't think what this means is that we are to go to Starbucks and stand on a chair and start reading the scripture out loud. And you can try that, but there's a good chance you're going to be standing on the curb reading the scripture out loud as opposed to being on a chair in Starbucks. What Paul is speaking to here is that they are to read the scripture out loud to each other. They are, to, they are to talk about it, and they are, it is to be a part of their gatherings. And the reason for this is that it centers them, and it reminds them that this journey that they're on, this journey that we're on, is not just about our personal connection to God. It's about a community of believers that we're, that we're living with and following Christ together with. And so he's saying that when you read the scriptures out loud, it has an integrating impact, that you're reading the same thing together. And it forms community and guides the community. And so he's saying, read it together. And you know, it's one of the reasons here at Five Oaks on the weekend that, that we're so passionate about walking through a chunk of Scripture at a time. That we want to read the Scripture together. We want to talk about it together. And so we do that in large group. And then we do that in our small groups. And the other implication for this is that we, we should do this as a family. And now I'm not suggesting that you, please don't use this as a form of punishment or forced devotion. That will backfire, and that is not what we're talking about here. Uh, but, but it is something that, that we ought to think about as a discipline in our families. We're all busy and have tons of stuff going on, and I'll be the first to admit that this is not something that happens as regularly and routinely as it should in our house. But when we read this, we're reminded of the importance of, of, the, of the, the role that our families play and communicating what the scripture says and why it says that. To read it together is a big deal. 
Number three, play to your strengths. Paul encourages Timothy to, to, to use his gifts. And not just gifts that he thinks are his gifts, but gifts that have been bestowed upon him, that have been blessed, that, you know, as he call, talks about the laying of hands by the elders, that there's obviously been a, a, a practice uh, either in, the, in a church or in this team that, that Timothy is on that has called out the gifts that, that he has, that other people see in him. You know, when we think about family dedication, that's the beginning of this. They were helping families to center themselves and, and to prepare to walk with their kids through every phase. And, you know, when we speak about our seniors again for a moment here, we, we did something this last fall that started them on a path to recognizing their strengths and gifts. We had a milestone called Preparing to Launch, and, and juniors and seniors and their parents came to this milestone, and at the milestone class, we gave them the Strength Finders book. And we encouraged, we, we said, now this is not the Bible, but it is a guide that, that will help you to determine what are the unique qualities that are unique to you that God can use to impact and influence the world around you. And so then we challenged and encouraged parents to, to go home and, 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 and also take the test and then recognize where their gifts are different from their students' gifts that they may stand back and let their student step into this next phase and coach their student as they step into this next phase according to the gifts that God has bestowed upon them. So Paul is saying, your gifts are important. Your strengths are important. Use them for the influencing of the culture around you, for the church that you're going to lead. Number four is to grow as a follower of Jesus. One of the most important pieces to becoming an integrated person following after Christ is to continually, continually grow as a follower of Jesus. Modeling devotion and healthy spiritual rhythms in our lives is a part of what this looks like. And no matter where you are on your spiritual journey, we can all take a step. Last week at, uh, at our Easter services, Henry's, Henry's sermon highlighted seven steps that we could take, that we could consider taking. And if you were out of town last week and, and missed the message, I encourage you to go back, download the sermon application guide, and, and watch the sermon. Because they aren't seven steps that you need to take all at once. They, rec they, they represent a continuum, a spectrum. And all of us are on that spectrum. There is a step somewhere on that spectrum that all of us can take and should take as people who are longing to follow after Christ and who are called to follow Christ. Oftentimes we don't know what that step should be or what it should look like. And that's, that, that's a great, that spectrum that Henry talked about last weekend is a great place to find some coaching as to what is the step that I should take. But Paul is saying here, don't lose sight of growing in your relationship with Christ. Can remember why you're doing this and who you're following. And the fifth one that Timothy uh, receives from Paul uh, is to finish well. To finish well, we're going to read a little bit out of uh, 2 Timothy for this, and that one is on uh, 1099 in the Bibles in front of you. And uh, it's um, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. And, and Timothy's going to receive some instructions from Paul about what it means to finish well and why this is so important. In the presence of God... And of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. 
For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. So Paul takes this whole idea of finishing well, and he, he blows it up to what we've oftentimes talked about as this infinite game. That, that what Paul is encouraging Timothy to strive for is not just to win and, and succeed in influencing this local church, but to do so on behalf of the kingdom of God. He's calling Timothy to have a bigger vision for what he's doing. And he's then saying that according to this vision, finish well. It's easy sometimes to start things, that it doesn't have to take a certain form or, or look a certain way, uh, but, but finishing means we have to get through all of the obstacles in order to get to, to the goal, to get to the, to the end of, of what we're trying to, to get to. The leadership weekend that I was at with scouts almost didn't happen. And the reason it almost didn't happen is that from the moment that I got there, I, for whatever reason, had one of the most intense experiences of homesickness I had ever, I've ever had in my life. And I think I was probably right around 12 or 14, somewhere in there. And, and part of it was that a lot of the other groups had, had brought other kids or students from their troops, and so they were friends. And I felt like I was the only one that didn't have a friend there. And so I, I wasn't really spending any time with anybody this first day, and it just, it just felt off. I called my parents. I was like, I gotta, I gotta come home. This is terrible. I don't want to be here. I don't fit in. I don't, I, nobody, I just, I don't have any friends here. It's just, it's not, it's not good. And they challenged me to stick it out. And, and, and I'm glad that they did. But then there was some other weird stuff that was also just competing for a sense of, of feeling that I really wanted to be there. And one of the things that, that happened was that I walked into my tent to, to get something out of my pack. And I reached into my pack and I feel this warm squiggly thing and up my arm runs a mouse, I'm not kidding, and jumps over my shoulder and disappears. So then I look into my pack, and in there is a litter of mice. I've been gone for 20 minutes, and in the 20 minutes that I was gone, this, this, this very determined mother mouse completely shredded a t-shirt that was in my pack to make a bed for her baby mice, and then proceeded to give birth to the baby mice in my pack. I mean, it was like the plagues coming down. You know, I'm like, clearly I am not supposed to be here. And the, if you've never seen what a newly born baby mouse looks like, they are something not to be remembered. It's like if you took a raw sausage and cut it in half and added little squiggly legs and two dark circles for eyes, that's what they look like. And so now, now it's, not, you know, the initial threat of the mother mouth, mouse is gone, but now I have like 12 baby mice that I have to do something with. 
So I have to like take them out of my pack and I put them in the woods and I'm like, you know, I don't know what to do with baby mice. And so I call my parents again. I got mice in my pack. <laughs> this is terrible. They're eating my clothes. I literally have one less shirt because of a mouse that got into my pack. Now, obviously that particular experience doesn't have a lot of specific spiritual implication. <laughs> but the reality is that in many situations in our lives, there is intense struggle upon our path to significance. And there are ways and experiences that, that, that we have that, that lead us to forms of leadership and influence. So we overcome things. In every area of our life where we have leadership and influence, there will be intense challenges. There's not one role that I have had the privilege of serving in where I haven't had intense leadership challenges. And, not, and in those moments, God has not only done something through me, but he's done something in me. And this is a part of what Paul is doing in Timothy. And it's what, and it's the reason this is in here is that God's saying, I'm going to do this with you. That you can be influencers and leaders in all of the different areas that you get to lead. And so Paul is saying, finish well. Don't forget why you started this. And don't forget what this is really about. It's not about doing a nice thing for a church in Ephesus. This is about the kingdom of God. And Paul is saying this on, on, in some ways too, because he knows that most of us, most people don't drift into health. So he's calling Timothy to stay on point. Don't lose sight of what you're supposed to do. And part of this is that we are also, we're not really, we're not hardwired to be gospel-centered. We are hardwired to be self-centered. And that is the journey that is being a human. And so Paul is laying out these specific steps these five things that Timothy is to do as he steps into the church in Ephesus that will lead him to, to a gospel-centered ministry, lead him away from self-centeredness. And we can follow the same, the same thing. So if you turn your page, turn the page in your, in your sermon application, God, we're going to do a little application here. And ultimately, this comes down to, really has a lot to do with identity, integrity, and influence. Now we talk about this, I've used this with students one-on-one -on -one, as well as at youth group, and, uh, and, and, and this, is, this is a big deal to them, and I actually think it's something that we can all learn a lot from. And so it starts with identity, and our identity is to come from Christ, and from Christ alone. And so that identity comes, comes through Christ into us, and then it goes out into the various roles that, that we play in our lives. And you'll see on your sermon application, guys, there's a bunch of blanks off to the side. Now, you can do that now, or you can do that throughout the week, and I would encourage you to do it as a family, uh, and, and grab, even grab a couple extra sermon application guides on your way out, and, and do this as a family with your students, and, uh, and, and do it for yourself. And so when you list all of the things, all the different roles that you play in your life, you recognize that your identity in Christ is the thing that should inform all of those roles. And so as an example, for me, husband, dad, brother, son, pastor, coworker, supervisor, supervisor, friend, there's probably some others on there. Mouse hunter, you know, would be one that could put, I could put on there. Um, but all of those are roles that, that are present in my life that ought to be defined by my identity in Christ. 
They ought to not by themselves identify me. And when the flow gets reversed, which happens to all of us, we start letting these things form our identity. Our ability to perform and produce in all these different roles starts to be the thing that we use to identify us. And when we use those to identify us, it breaks our relationship with Christ. Because we, we now become slaves to these things and we are no longer being identified by our relationship to Christ. We're identified by how we're doing in all these roles of our life. And not only is it a miserable way to live, but it's actually a form of sin. These things become idols. And, and idols demand worship. And so we begin worshiping them, trying to get things from them that they're not meant to give us. It messes up the way, it messes up our marriages. It messes up how we parent. It messes up our jobs. And it, 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 it totally disintegrates us. And so, you know, there is this thing in, in, in us as humans that we, we overly define ourselves by what we do as opposed to whose we are. And as an example of why that's a bad idea, here's, here's what pastors do. If somebody asks me, this is what the public thinks pastors, you can't read these, but I'll, I'll tell you what they, what they say. So this one on the top says what society thinks I do. The middle one says what my parents think I do. And then over on the right is what my friends think I do. Down here is what my church thinks I do. In the middle is what I should do. And on the right is what I actually do. And it's a, a guy, you know, pushing a vacuum around the room. And within the last 12 hours, I have actually done that. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. But it's not a really good picture of what I actually do. So why would I define myself by a moving target? And your job is the exact same way. Don't define yourself by a moving target. We're to define ourselves by our identity in Christ. Otherwise, we become disintegrated individuals. And that's what the next picture is about. So this is a building with a lot of windows. And, 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 and this building represents your life. And the windows represent all of the different selves that you may be at any given point throughout the day. And so for our students, where they identify with this is that they, because, sometimes because of pressure, sometimes because of just trying to figure out who they are, they could be a different person in first hour math class than they are in third hour English. But we shouldn't just look at students for this because we're the same way. We could be a different person in the morning for breakfast time than we are by the time we get to our 9 a.m. meeting. And that changes depending on what meeting we're in and depending on whether or not we're leading the meeting or being led in the meeting. But you can look at this building and you can actually transfer some of the roles that you play that you are writing down on the top graphic down to some of these windows. But these are more than just the roles. Beyond the roles, it's the way that we behave and the way that we live, the attitudes that we use and the way that we treat people. Those become different identities in each of those different windows. What Christ is calling us to, what Paul is reminding Timothy of, is that you are to be one person. That there ought to be one light in that building that's illuminating the entire thing. And when we recognize that we are turning on all kinds of different light switches, it's the beginning of us trying to integrate our life and doing so according to Christ's likeness. We are not supposed to be lots of different types of people, and that's what Paul is calling Timothy to here. And all of that leads to influence. We've talked about the circle in the past. In the middle is the church. Around the outside is the world. 
The church that is integrated, whose identity is in Christ, is the church that influences the world. It's a church that gathers, like we're gathered here today. And it's a church that scatters throughout the week into all of the different places that we get to influence the world that we are in. Just think for a moment. There's a couple hundred people in here. Think about all the different places that we will go this week to influence the world around us. Some ways very directly according to to what God's called us to, and sometimes indirectly, just by doing life with the people that we work with and live with and live near. This is what influence looks like. And Paul is saying, if you get all this stuff straight in your life and allow yourself to be identified with Christ and allow yourself to be an integrated person, to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, you will have the influence that you are meant to have in my name. That is the race you're supposed to run. This is the race we're supposed to finish, and finish it well. Not as a way of earning God's love, not as a way of impressing anybody, but by a way of experiencing the almighty power that God gives us to live each and every day. That's what this is all about. That's what Paul is calling Timothy into, and that's why his words to Timothy are so strong and so encouraging and so challenging. And from that, we, we receive the same invitation and the same call to live out these five practices in our lives that we may not only be empowered by the God who created us, but that we would watch as he influences the world around us. Let's pray together.